podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Post-Match Raw here on Anfield Index Pro. After this beleaguered incarnation of Liverpool Football Club conspired to lose 3-0 to relegation-battling Wolverhampton Wanderers this afternoon. Bravely joining me on the pod today to navigate through the rubble of another humiliating defeat, unfortunately, I have Jim Boardman and John Buscar. Evening, gents. Good evening. Yeah, sombre, sombre times there. <laughs> All having a chat, as is the way with uh, post-match Raw and yeah, I'm not going to claim to be as as smooth at this as as Trevor is at times. But before we uh, sort of go through the game and the incidents of the game themselves, um, we'll be we'll be sparing in that I think because I think some of this we've seen beforehand. Uh, I want to start off obviously by getting all of our opinions on on how the game transpired, the performance in general. Um, I guess I'll go first anyway. But not <laughs> <laughs> sharing. Um, it, it, I'm sure both of you will echo these points in some ways, but for me, it, it, it felt particularly dispiriting watching that performance today because you do, I, I find it very hard to come away with the impression or anything other than the impression that unfortunately at the moment, we know about the lack of investment. We know about the negligence there in terms of not signing players uh, to sort of improve the weaknesses of this Liverpool team. It's pretty clear to all the sides in the league what those weaknesses are because relegation battling teams are managing to expose them. But it's hard to come away with the impression that uh, Klopp necessarily understands the solution to the current situation that he's in. I'm not sure what both of you think. Jim, I mean, what was your overarching like thoughts at the end of that game? I think... Um... I go into any Liverpool match with high hopes and then a different yeah. level of expectations depending on where we are. And I think it's definitely a big gap between the height of my hopes and the, and the, the lowness of my expectations today. And But we still managed to beat that somehow, which is just, um, you know, we managed to sort of, I didn't think we, I, I wasn't kind of very confident really. And if I was being realistic, I, I wasn't very confident. But yeah, it, it just feels like there's... Um, it, it wasn't going to be fixed. I mean, we, we've had problems all season. They've grown all the way through the season. The transfer window was maybe an opportunity to do something about it. It wasn't taken. Their opportunity wasn't taken. And um, yeah, funnily enough, the 2nd of Feb the other day was Groundhog Day, which, yeah, it's been Groundhog season, I think, so far, or Groundhog Week yeah. for us. It's just been, it's just been awful. And um, yeah, having I mean, I'm trying, trying to be hopeful, but, you know, it, it's hard to be. I was going to say, Jim, I mean, one thing, I mean, like, I think obviously you go into each game and you, you have your hopes, as you mentioned there, and you remember what this group of players or you know, large numbers of them have actually contributed to, to our history and sort of what they've done over the past few seasons, what the manager has done over the past few seasons. And obviously that tries to, that tries to fill you with some sort of hope. I mean, one point I made uh, at one point during the game today was that it felt as though there was an indifference uh, 
that had seemed to have creeped in. And I sort of wondered in in, in one instance, like, I, I won't say the fan base is indifferent because I think, I think the fan base will support the club through thick and thin, of course, but the indifference in terms of we know that these things aren't going to get fixed necessarily over the remainder of this season. Uh, and so you know, we're, we're, we're hobbling forward in this compromised form that we find ourselves. Has there been any indifference for you that has has settled in so far in terms of sort of your expectations for the for the rest of the season? I think, yeah, I think, you know, as again, the, the high hopes thing is you do always think that Liverpool on the day are capable of beating anyone and, you know, the derby's next. That's not going to be an easy game, is it, against a, a team that's clearly having a bit of a bounce at the moment. That's 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 worrying. And I think, you know, that that's the kind of way it feels for the whole of the rest of the season. So the point where... You know, I'm I'm almost at the the state where I think, well, let's just write this season off, this league season. Let's start trying some of the kids. You know, mm. trying trying to make something out of it, make the most of it. It's um, if ever there was a time when you know a great big towel needed throwing in to say that's <laughs> us done. You know, put us out of our misery for the rest of the season. It feels like it's now, and um, all I think we can try to do is, is maybe you know maybe experiment and and see what we can do that we can use for next season that said that said if i was being really optimistic about today and really wrestling it out to me and being like the devil's advocate of the whole day um <laughs> we were absolutely awful for the first whatever 15 minutes or so we we deserved to be behind but after that we were just poor you know and then in the second half we were actually okay and mm. Um, you know, it, it, it feels as though almost in a way, if you, if you are clutching at straws, if it wasn't for two, two poor moments that gave us two goals the other way early on, that maybe, maybe, maybe that level of performance we had, maybe we could have got something out of the game. But the, the truth is, you know, you can't check. We, we lost those two goals and the way we reacted to them, you know, it was the second half before we showed any genuine reaction yeah. to that. And that's just not good enough. And that's, that's what worries me because, However skillful you are as a club, however, you know, whatever abilities you've got, whatever your talents are, one thing that you need if you're going to win is that sort of winning mentality, that determination, that team spirit, that, that sort of hatred of being behind, you know, and that pride. And that's what I think. There just doesn't seem to be any real pride in these players at the moment. And that's, that's the saddest part of it for me. Yeah. And John, just bringing you in to get your thoughts on the, the game as a whole. Um, I sort of cheekily called this, uh, this call that we're having um, from believers to doubters. And the reason I did that is is just because it, it seemed to me as the game was winding on, and I, I do agree with Jim, I think as we'll go through it, there were there were areas for for optimism and there's it's, it's not just complete rubble here. There are some players that I think have emerged during this period and there are some some positive signs amidst sort of all the gloom. But the reason I, I titled it that was because it, it doesn't half look as though those players are having a hard time believing uh, in what they're being told to do out there. Absolutely. Um, ahead of the call and, and during the match, I was trying to sort of write down words to kind of like hook on to what I was seeing, what I felt the players were feeling. And, you know, I was coming up with things like, you know, they were slow, they were sloppy. Um, I think the overriding sense that I came away with was that there were, was this real acute sense of that they feel sorry for themselves this is or, i think it was in, uh, it was made clear for me when the first goal goes in the camera goes to trent and it, it was almost like a you know i've i've given up sort of look from him now of course i'm psychologizing this but when the when the um when the camera cuts to Klopp, 
when you see the players, they're just not first to the ball, that the passing is sloppy. You know, it just seemed, you know, slow, sloppy, sorry for themselves. And when I when I think of this in the context of the whole season, it's, you know, it's been a perfect storm. We've got uh, owners who've suddenly, you know, who announced, hey, we're putting the club up for sale, which is one of the biggest things that you can do to destabilize any organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can turn around and go, oh, well, actually, we're just looking for investors. Nah, well, we're going to sell the whole. That really is destabilizing. Then we, we word comes out that they're, um, you know, major figures behind the curtains who are leaving the club who've been very, very pivotal in the way that we've been going forward. So we've got this sort of, you know, and, and then we've got the injuries. And I think. You know, I live with Manchester United supporters, so I, you know, I like to be quite quiet about that. But I've been saying, no, 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 we've got so many injuries. We've got so many injuries. And of course, they love the renaissance that United are having. And I've kept saying, no, 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 it's got the, we've got injuries. It's, it's very difficult for, and I think today it was the first point that I went, no, 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 no. This is not about injuries because the cost or the value of the players from our, that were on the pitch today, <laughs> dwarfs wolves and i think when klopp changes the midfield on a what is it around about 60 odd minutes or something like that as i recall yeah. when he changes the mid- midfield for uh a player that's admitted admitted he's out of form and been struggling henderson he takes off someone who's actually been doing pretty well for us now because that to me was sloppy and it sort of contextualizes this perfect storm for me. A manager who's being sloppy, a manager who's being slow to react. I haven't seen the press conference yet and I, I hope that I'm not going to get Klopp feeling sorry. I think he tends to come out fighting, but his body, body language does not look good. So for me, this is, I know some people talked about the Nadir. Nadir is the word for when things hit the rock you know, bottom. Yeah, the yeah. rock bottom. You know, I thought, I thought Brighton was the Nadir. Yeah. But, you know, th- this performance <laughs> within the context of everything, this for me is, uh, well, I hope it is the, the bottom. Mm. Yeah, and I saw somebody make a point, uh, I think it was towards the end of that game, that um, I suppose it sort of reiterates what, you, what you're saying there, jo- uh, John, and, and a bit what you said as well, Jim, that as much as the squad clearly needs significant investment, um, there's there's that and there's the sort of the realization that really perhaps there are only three or four midfielders that Klopp seems to be able to trust to be compact at least. Um, the side has been humiliated by Brentford, Brighton and Wolves in recent weeks. Um, and the performances actually are sort of relegation standard at the moment. If you look over those games, but these players certainly are not. You look at the group of players, look at the talent that is actually there to be worked with. Yes, there are issues. Yes, there are some square pegs in round holes. But Jim, in terms of sort of how much the manager is currently getting out of the players at his disposal, it does feel as though it's 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 test and learn each week, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the. We, we, I mean, the injuries are. Uh, is a, it's an excuse that can be used, and I, I always remember. Mm. I mean, it was a big. It was a big feature of fanzines back in the early nineties because basically Liverpool went from being what they were in the seventies and eighties to what they were under Graham Soonest basically yeah. in the nineties, and and the the line that kept being thrown out was injuries, and there were genuinely injuries. It was. It was. You know, it was a bad time. It was. It was difficult to find eleven players at times, and that's still still the case now, but. I just think when you've got when you've got so many players missing, 
it's like every time I look at the bench for a Liverpool game, I sort of look at it and think, well, who else might have started? And there's not many sort of, there's, there's no nailed on player on the bench. And, and I think I've, I've mentioned this before in other podcasts. I think the thing that troubles me is that when we've got the money to go out and spend, that, you know, you need one or two players to come in. So you go and spend a 70 million here or a 45 million there to fill these little holes and just keep, keep the, keep the squad, you know, fresh as much as you can. That's great. But when you've not got that kind of money, when you need maybe three or four rather than one or two, or when you need five or six rather than three or four, you know, we're sort of, I don't know, if whoever was looking after our transfers was, was in charge of the food for the team, they'd be starving five days a week because they're spending all the money in two days. You know, there's, there's just not, there needs to be a new approach and acceptance of what kind of money we're going to spend as good as bad as, or bad that might be. But I just, it just feels, it just feels like this is the issue. It's the transfer and it's not even putting the money in. It's, it's how we're, we're spending money, how we're finding the money. You know, maybe we need to go and find the scouts that, that work for these other clubs that find these players for less money. Um, I mean, to be hmm. fair, Wolves, I mean, I wouldn't say Wolves are the answer. They were in 18th at the start of the start of today, which definitely uh, underlines relegation form from us. If we're getting beaten three nil by a team that actually started the day in the relegation zone, but it's, I don't know. It, it, it feels as though we've had these struggles all season and we've had them before. We had them when it was basically what, what you might think of as the, the season that started in the middle of the pandemic. It was, you know, injury after injury, we were struggling, we were struggling. And if we didn't learn the lesson and it doesn't seem as though we're going to learn it now. Um, Gakpo, nothing against him, but maybe we'd have been better just putting that to one side and getting a couple of midfielders then he would have got us through the season I just I just don't know I just I just feel frustrated I'm sorry it's it's just it's 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 the sort of worst time I've had as a Liverpool fan in a long time and we've had some bad times when you think about it but it just feels like there's no there's no end to it at the moment and I I hate the idea of Klopp being sacked but you know these are words that are going to start making louder and louder noises now and it feels as though the club's broken at the moment and, you know, Klopp isn't the man at the moment to sort of be the figurehead that pulls everyone together and says, come on, lads, let's get this sorted. You know, the the, the inspiration, you know, we've relied on him too much maybe and you look through the team, you look off the field, there's no one there that's got the inspiration at the moment just to, just to you know, pick us up by the scruff of the necks and drag us forward. No one. Yeah, it does, does feel as though, obviously, that, that uncertainty off the pitch around the ownership mm-hmm. uh, situation, the, the lack of clarity there, um, sort of the the players that we've heard. I mean, we've sort of known about it for months, really, sort of certainly on Anfield Index Pro, but you're starting to see some articles come out now from some of the more mainstream journalists uh, talking about some of the dysfunction in the back room, the players that used to be integral to the the, the club functioning in a sort of a smooth way, um, no longer you know, being imposed, whether it be, uh, Michael Edwards, whether it be uh, Gordon, who obviously worked very closely with Klopp, but it now seems to be focusing on the sale of the club, which is which is understandable. But that that really does seem to have crept in, and I think that point you're making there, Jim, if it's if it's too much pressure on Klopp, or if it's too much responsibility on Klopp, I mean, you'd really want him just to be left to be coaching with with players that fit in in, in the holes that he's actually sort of playing them in, and. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is, I think since Klopp started, he's not really been the man that goes out and finds players. He's the man that gets given players who are decent. He said as much, and, didn't he, Jim? You know, when, yeah. That opening press conference could have been so much dysfunction at the club with Rogers and this mm. perceived sort of 
uh, antagonism between him and the transfer committee. Uh, and then it was, Klopp was literally at pains in that first press conference to say, I have no problem working like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know everything. I like having people around me who know more about certain areas. And at the moment, it feels like there's a vacuum. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I mean, you see it at times. I mean, I mean, one, one player missing today was Canati, and I think the last time I saw him oh, play, it felt like he was, he was doing the defending all on his own, you know, and you can only do that for so long. And he did that game after about an hour, he'd run out of steam. And it's, this is the moment with Klopp. Maybe, maybe he's taking too much on because, you know, the, but the thing is, whatever's happening, it was working. It was working two years ago. Um, it had problems here and there, but we, we fixed the problems and, um, you know, it, it, there's there's so much we we could really sort of. I, I feel like the focus is going to be on Klopp if we're not careful, or even directly on the owners. But you know, rather than it, it's always the manager, isn't it, in football? I mean, look at Everton. Okay, they've kind of proved the point in one game. They bring a new manager in, sack the manager, everything's fine. No, sack the manager, you're papering over the cracks at a club like Everton. But although we've got problems in a different way. We've definitely got problems and, you know, who's our CEO? Is he a football person? He's, is he based in, you know, is he sort of heart and soul in the job of being based in Liverpool? And, you know, I mean, John Henry isn't going to be bothering about Liverpool day to day. He's got other things to do. I'm sure. I mean, he's a wealthy man. You know, he, he just sort of pays attention to Liverpool now and again. And he should be appointing someone to a job running the club from Chapel Street, from, from from the training ground, from Anfield, from Liverpool, that just gets the club and understands the business side as well as the football side and realises that there's too many holes in this club, not just on the pitch right in front of our eyes, but behind the scenes. There was always a thing at Liverpool that, you know, everyone at the club was kind of really good, really important, from the tea lady upwards, the old saying used to be. And I think that one thing FSG did right for a while was make sure that all of the people in the club in key positions, and maybe not even so key, quite so key positions, were the best of you know amongst the best. And I don't think you know something's happening. They're not keeping them. They're losing them. Why are we losing them? What's you know why why are these people leaving? Is there something more going on? Do they are they do they know the ship's sinking? I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it's worrying and I think it's deeper than just sort of blaming the manager. But the trouble is the manager is the man that has to go in front of the press every week. And get blamed, you know, and get asked all the questions. Of course. And, you know, it's it's sad that this is going to happen to Klopp, but something needs to be done soon. Yeah, the words that were included in some of the articles that came out this week about about the backroom dysfunction were, were, were more around that uh, you know, certain staff didn't feel empowered uh, to uh, uh, sort of um, fulfil their roles, if you yeah. will. So some, of the, some people in, in that transfer committee who maybe used to have more sway suddenly realizing that they didn't didn't have the same sway weren't being listened to in the same way and, and that's always a um a concern as well because i think liverpool's most successful years on the club have come when you you've had the impression that everybody is are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must-have fan threads well over at our anfield index shop we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your liverpool collection from our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. 
uh, working in lockstep. So, and I think just just one point there before we do get into the game, Jim, and uh, actually, John, maybe I'll bring you in on this as well. Jim's talking there about the manager having to front up and 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 deal with a lot of this criticism week in week out. He's he's gonna he's the one who's gonna go in front of the media. He's the one who everyone's looking to for answers. And you almost think about well, the dysfunction off the pitch, uh, the, you know, the struggles he's going through as well, the questions being asked of him. And it almost, if, if you put it all into context, it probably would have been easier just to sign a midfielder and take some sort of the, the heat off him because at least there'd be an injection of something new. Uh, and like the, he's got a few more tools at his disposal. At the moment, it feels like he's been wrung out to dry a little bit because he's left to work with all the players that he's got with everybody in the room understanding that, you know, this is a compromised squad. Uh, and so he's he, he's just been left to try and find some tactical innovation to sort of uh, figure his way out of it. I, I, I do feel very sorry for him. I don't get the impression that we're ever going to see Klopp sacked. I, I, I think more of my fear is that he, he, he might come to the conclusion that he needs to walk at one stage. I think it's a good point that you make there. Um, uh, you know the whole thing that if 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 the company, <laughs> because it clearly seems that that Liverpool is being treated as a as a as a company here. Decisions, you know, with sales purchase, etc., making the decision not to give Klopp a, a midfielder. He's never unequ- he's he's never so clear about what he wants, and I think he intimated, you know, he would have liked a midfielder, but you know, he, they couldn't make it happen. I couldn't really read between the lines. There seemed to be, from the reports I was seeing, yep, Klopp would like someone if there's someone available, but well, we don't seem to be able to get anyone in. We'd love to be able to take chances more in the future, and you know, it was. It, I don't think there's been a clarity there, but I think that's the nature of an organization, you know. That he he can't speak openly. He's never going to be able to really do that because if he does, if he criticizes the ownership, you know, then then everything implodes. Um, I've just listening to you guys talking there. I, I think you know someone. What I've been through following Liverpool for so many years, this whole idea of, you know, perfect storms, the, the moment that it tips over with Julier, the moment that we go from adoring Benitez to the growth of, you know, the anti-Benitez uh, sort of fervour that comes. I think that a lot of that is driven by the the commentary that I could see from a distance on on the British press. Andy Gray and someone else, they seem to sort of, you know, this this whole idea of Benitez as the as the way to serving Payet, it was, you know, quite disgusting. Really, hmm. and it's almost like we get start getting to that stage with a perfect storm. We've got you know the manager who clearly has been hampered by not getting a midfielder. You know whether whether he felt that he didn't need one himself, there should have been the director of football, someone stepping in and saying we need a midfielder. Look at the you know look at the facts, look at the number of performances that Ox has put in. That that Kite has put in the last twelve months. The fact that Henderson's missed so much since signing his new contract. You know, there is so much data available that, as someone, you know, if, if I'm not in Klopp or Klopp's coaching team, that I would still feel I could step into the game and say, guys, I'm buying you a midfielder because just you know, deal with it. And the point is, John, as well that I think sort of both you and Jim have both made as well is uh, the the response response we've heard when it's come around sort of the lack of a midfielder has been about well yeah it needs to be the the, the correct player we and we often yeah. wait for the correct profile of player um and you know if let's just say let's say, let's say hypothetically that is bellingham and that's still going to come to fruition or whatever mm. it's, it's hard to imagine that right now but that's a one midfielder who if he does sign for liverpool football club is probably going to cost 
above 90 million pounds like uh, i think that's probably like it does his, his current value and uh, wasn't trying to play mr captain hindsight the other night um as well when i was w- just watching a couple of different games and saw the fulham game and you, you see somebody like uh jao polina uh who, who who they've had him playing in midfield and look i'm, I'm not, I'm not going to claim to know anything about jao polina's career prior to the fact that uh, prior to the moment he showed up in the premier league but you look. You're looking at these teams. You're looking at different uh, teams throughout the Premier League, and you're seeing players that looked like they've got all the attributes we're missing in midfield, and have been signed or scouted and signed with minimal fuss. They used to be us, didn't they? Yeah. Look what United did. Look what United did. Ericsson gets injured. They they bring in someone on loan exactly, within a day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we. You know. W- we were unable to get too, uh, too many last summer. We bring in what's it, Arthur, Arthur. Uh, on, on loan, who gets injured immediately? So we, obvi- yeah, exactly. And we identified that we needed a midfielder. Yet here we are, you know. Of course, through to next summer is going to be a year. Having identified we need a midfielder, not to act. It's, I mean, it's not even borderline. Um, you know, not taking care of your your own business. It, I, I I just feel it's almost. It's unbelievable. We're giving the the people outside Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club, to give so much rope to beat us with. If I'm mixing mm-hmm. metaphors there, yeah. but I mean it's it it, it it's very diff- It's very difficult. And of course, we as fans, all we can react to is what we're seeing on the pitch and what we're seeing on the pitch. In the last, what is it? We've conceded three goals in the last four matches. Yep. In, you know, three each goals each class, time. Yeah. Each each of those. Games. I I I struggled even in our. Let me start again. We have history of falling apart under Klopp. Look at the season where we get the defenders who are injured. We don't act. Uh, we don't act to strengthen the club really after that run-in. They they miraculously get us into the Champions League. We finished third by hocus pocus. But we have form as a club that failed to build on a Champions League win, a title win. We don't bring enough players. We don't we don't cover the fact that we've got an aging squad. I'm not specifically talking about the midfield, but the squad is aging. And lo and behold, two seasons later, what is it? You know, it's it's happening again. Yeah, comes back to bite us. Uh, yeah, I, I think just before we get into the actual game itself, uh, I'm going to try and get. I mean, I'm, I've been scouring. I've been looking at all these different uh, uh, stats, unfortunate records that we're breaking at the moment. I'm, I, I, I think rather than, I mean, when when Carl's on the pod, he usually leaves them to the end. I want to get them out of the way, really, just so we can we can have them there and then they're <laughs> gone, and we'd have to we'd have to go back over them, Jim. But because um, <laughs> there's a few here. Uh, so Wolves had lost their last 11 Premier League games against Liverpool before today. Uh, Liverpool have now conceded as many Premier League goals as Everton this season. Uh, there was the point that John made that we've conceded three goals in three of our last four Premier League matches. Uh, away from home, we have played 10, won two, drawn two and lost six. That's eight points from 30. And the last one, just for the, cher- the cherry on the cake before we get into it, uh, Wolves had scored 12 goals in 20 league games before today. So this, this is a side, I mean, and I know from doing the rival recon pods I do ahead of each of the games, uh, when I spoke to the journalist who was covering Wolves, uh, everyone knows what Wolves' main issue is. <laughs> they can't score yeah. goals. Um, and yeah, we've, yeah, we've come away from today, uh, making them, I think it's probably a little bit lucky that they only scored three in the end, unfortunately. But I think I anyway. saw a stat the other day that Traore had never scored against us. So I think we've managed to keep that one, have we? Um, 
but only just. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's hard it's hard to know where to go with it. But I think let's let's try and move into the game and let's start with lineups, of course. And uh, just firstly on the Liverpool lineup, um, I'll uh, I'll ask you both here, but. Uh, we saw the return or the, the inclusion of Matip in the back four. There's Alisson, uh, Robbo, uh, Joe Gomez, uh, Joel Matip comes in for the injured Kanate, uh, Trent at right back um, in midfield, which has often been the big debate this season. Um, we saw a continuation of what what looks like it's uh, sort of meritocracy, to be honest, in action at this stage, considering uh, the other options were available and, and, and fit. Thiago, Bacetic and Keita in midfield. Uh, and then up front, uh, Gakpo, Nunez, and Salah. Uh, and, we, and we weren't to know, but of course that was uh, Nunez central uh, and Gakpo left, which is what a lot of the fans had been had been sort of crying for since uh, uh, we signed a left winger from uh, from the Netherlands in uh, <laughs> in January. Uh, Jim, what did you make of of that lineup, and of course, sort of how you actually saw them actually end up lining up with probably that big big change being the the switch between Gakpo and Nunez. Well, I think that was it. When I saw the when I saw the lineup, and you sort of see how people are guessing what the lineup was actually going to be. You know, where, where people are actually physically going to line up. You do the little formations, and I'm thinking, well, how is it going to look? Is it is it going to be that front three in the sort of order we want? And I was pleased in the end we did see that because I think that's that's the most promising way to use those three players. And um, without dwelling again on the word injury, if we didn't have injuries, there'd be some competition there between those three and a couple of others. Um, but I would say certainly for, for Nunez and Gakpo, that's their strongest positions. I think there's an argument for Salah to play through the middle. Um, but obviously that's a luxury we can't have at the moment. So, you know, I was, I was pleased that those three were starting. And again, it's just that worry at the back. I mean, what we've had so many different back fours this season. Um, and of course, really, even though Van Dyke wasn't having his best season before his injury, it's always a weak back four without him. And, you know that again. We, I mean, the focus is on midfielders. But if if we're at a stage where, you know, we're going this far, this much of the season to the point where we've got Phillips on the bench, and nothing against him, he does his best and everything. But you know, if Phillips is our man on the bench in case one of the two back, uh, one of one of the two centre backs gets injured in a game, then we are we are struggling. You know, and again, this sort of underlines again what I'm saying that we just need to be better at finding players who cost less that are still worth having that are still useful because when when times like this happen you're going to need them and and again I mean just to sort of sort of sorry to sort of go back to an old point you were making if Bellingham was coming in this summer and this was the reason why no, no money was spent on midfielders it still doesn't justify not spending money on midfielders because what you do is you bring a midfielder in now who'll be useful now who costs less and then in the summer, you get rid of the ones we've got now that haven't been very good, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and you move on from there. And this is how you do things. Liverpool shouldn't be seeing players decline as players, as Liverpool plays. They should be declining somewhere else as they always used to. Um, but yeah, looking at, looking at the bench, you can see that, um, it was pretty much, um, the only choice he had. And, um, obviously Henderson maybe could have come in into the midfield, but you know, it's, I don't know. It's, um, it's just again. It's just you know we're we're struggling. We're struggling, and I think the the other thing that this does is that there's no competition for those places. Um, the one player that you see um, on that team sheet that I was actually pleased to see was Bacetic because Bacetic. Sorry, I can't even say his name today um, because he's he's someone for the future, you know. And mm. although it's not a great time for him to be coming in, I think there you've got a player that 
you know, the more games we can give him, the more he becomes a player we can use. And maybe, maybe, um, maybe by the end of the season, we'll be looking back with a bit of luck and thinking, you know what, maybe he was the player we were missing. But, you know, you've got to try them. You've got to try them. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was, yeah, again, I mean, you, you just look at the squad and you just think there's no one, there's no one on the bench. Though this is the other side of it. There's no one on the bench that if it's not working out, and the manager wants to change things. There's no one to run up and down the side of the pitch that's going to g a few of the players up. That's going to get you know the the Liverpool fans up again. That's going to put the frighteners on Wolves. Who who on that bench would have frightened Wolves? That was you know, and that's the game. It needs to be yeah. addressed. No, I think I think I think the issue comes when there's uh, options on the bench that actually frighten us, Jim. I think, yes. <laughs> I think that's the issue. that's the issue. We see them coming on; they have the opposite effect. Uh, on the yeah, I, I heard them say the Liverpool are making a triple substitution. Oh my God, don't, no. don't. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it. But there is this uh, club seems to be in this familiar trend at the moment of uh, he stumbled. Well, I say stumbled. He's got this midfield. Uh, three of Bacetic, Thiago, and Keita, John, and that th- they look like they probably the the one of the best options we've got for a, uh, a, a present for a compact unit that work for each other and seem to understand positionally where they need to be. I thought actually one thing we'll probably come on to talk about today was of all the issues that we had, I, I didn't think that the issues really lied with uh, people playing straight through midfield uh, today uh, up until sort of some of the, the the point where the changes were made, but. We are seeing this trend actually where whether it's sort of fear of keeping those players fit and fresh and of course Cater and Tiago uh, do have you know, the, those injury records that justify us being sort of concerned about them and, and wanting to rotate them but we, we are in this trend at the moment where we have this midfield, it starts the game, plays fairly well in terms of the, their job which is to keep things compact and, and tidy and, and then on 60 minutes, uh, Klopp dismantles that midfield uh, in, 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 in somehow. Uh, and uh, we usually get punished for that <laughs> within about five or ten minutes. Uh, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about that anyway when we go through the game. But uh, just quickly, I'm going to read out the, the Wolves lineup as well. So we had Saar in goal, uh, Semedo, Dawson, the new signing, uh, Kilman, uh, Nuri, uh, Huang, who's obviously now on a permanent deal at Wolves, uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Mario Lamina, who's a new signing, uh, the fabled Matias Nunez uh, was was there as well, uh, and then Sarabia, who's obviously a new signing from I think it was PSG, wasn't he? Came in for uh, and uh, Cunha. So again, a couple of new signings sprinkled in there uh, from from Julian Lopetegui when I spoke to uh, my guest on Rival Recon ahead of the game. Uh, he was talking about some of the green shoots that he'd seen uh, under Lopetegui so far since he's come in, looking a more organized side, looking a side that had a, a bit of a clearer view on how they should be playing, how to get the most out of each other. Um, I thought they looked quite quite a well-balanced side uh, today in terms of sort of their their approach and sort of the balance between defense and attack and looking threatening, especially when they br- brought on the Olympic uh, sprinter late on. John, I mean, what was your view Firstly, you can feel free to comment on the Liverpool lineup, but also on uh, sort of the way in which Wolves uh, approached it. Well, first on the Liverpool lineup, I was I was kind of surprised that uh, Klopp didn't make any changes because how close is uh, Thiago to the red zone now? Because he has played game after game after game of late, and he has his own tendency to get injured, um, and and so that for me was a question, you know. Are we taking too many risks? I I think this is our best midfield, certainly at the moment, certainly given what we've seen. 
um, by churches as he's called on Swedish TV. Um, he he's he for me was one of the bright bright sparks of of our performance. Uh, there was nothing that surprised me in the defence. I didn't see what what else Klopp could do. Uh, and up front, it didn't surprise me that Elliot dropped to the bench. And I don't really think he had any real effect coming on. I I, I couldn't really see what else Klopp could do other than maybe starting with Ox. I don't know what's happened to Ox. He was getting uh, a few starts. He was playing a bit more. And then, lo and behold, he's not getting very few minutes at all. I really could not understand the substitutions Klopp made with, you know, just, what is it, five, ten minutes to go when he brings on Sumikas, he brings on Milner. Again, I mean, this is just something that perhaps we could talk about later. It's I really feel that Klopp's use of substitutions has become quite bizarre of late. We used to be a club that seemed to be able to make real, really significant changes after half time. Half time, that Klopp could change things up. Now it it it, it just seems bizarre, and I don't think that's a reflection of where the squad is at. I just think that when you know, it's not even a case of playing horses for courses. Uh, Wolves themselves looked outstanding. Uh, boy, did they look like old school Liverpool for that third goal. It was just, it was just perfect. <laughs> they went straight through the middle, down to the side, whipped the ball across. There was no one there to defend. It was a great goal. Allison could do nothing. They looked powerful. They looked strong. They soaked up the pressure. And come on, let's face it. In the second half, although yeah. we had more of the the ball, did we? ever look like we were going to score no i think it's it's probably high time we get into it then in terms of the actual um action that we saw we, we didn't have to wait very long for the first sort of meaningful action of the game on uh on five minutes of course matt it actually goes down as an own goal in the end uh, and wolves take the lead uh, I, i'd say it's a deserved lead as well based upon the way in which sort of the game had started and the pressure that, that they were putting us on uh, you had He-Chan, um, Huang latching onto a ball over the top from Nunez, uh, getting to it before Matip, sort of bizarrely just seemed to pause. Um, the low cross, it deflects off Matip in the end uh, and sort of slowly trickles into the goal. Trent does his best to to clear it. There's a little bit of sort of hesitation as you sort of wonder whether or not it has crossed the line, but then uh, they're wheeling away and it's um, it's given as a goal. Um, I'd love to be able to stop here and sort of talk about this for a little bit, but uh, I'm going to go to the 10th minute because obviously it comes, it came in pairs. Uh, Liverpool at this stage obviously started the game really poorly, looked looked very sort of uh, timid. Um, some of those leaders at the back that you, you know, senior players, when you're thinking about Joel Matip, that you're really depending on to to step up when others are out injured. The way in which uh, a young player like Kanate has has done when we've seen him in recent weeks. Uh, but it looked unfortunately like it was going to be one of those Bambi uh, performances from from Matip. And on on ten minutes they double their lead. I and mean, we sort of remember what we we spoke about with Wolves and their struggles scoring goals. I'm sure my guest on um, Rivalry Con Rich must couldn't have believed his luck. Ten minutes in, they're already two 0 up, and it's Dawson on his debut again. Not a goal scorer. Not someone who's regularly on the uh, on the. Uh, um, sheet in terms of sort of registering a goal uh so Neves free kick down the right it's not the best ball in the world it's kept alive by Cunha who then pulls it across finds Kilman in the middle uh of the box who has his shot blocked and then Dawson absolutely rifles in uh the rebound uh so we're 10 minutes in uh and regardless of sort of where the player's confidence were whatever the tactical plan was where fans confidence level was <laughs> before the game 
uh, Jim, we've we've given ourselves a mountain to climb, not through systemic issues like we've seen in the past, yeah, against maybe Brighton being a good example of that, but just through defensive errors and lackadaisical defending. Yeah, it just feels, um, I mean, sloppy. That's the best word I can come up with for the way we approach the beginning of the game. And um, I mean, Trent, um, if I remember rightly, Trent tried to find Robbo on the opposite wing, awful pass, went out for a throw-in, and I think... It's that throwing that led to their first goal, you know, and that's that's so even that so there was sloppiness even in the lead up to the goal, you know, and giving away possession. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Liverpool used to have such good, they were so good at keeping possession, and and by keeping it, they could make good use of it. And you know, it's still there. We we aren't able to keep possession when we should be able to keep it. You know, it's it's it was just I just I just don't understand where it's coming from. Um, and to be fair, I thought Trent had a good game in the end, but that, you know that that was an example at the beginning where. It was just, it was just, I don't know, just, just sloppy, just, just not thinking it through, just, just, you know, he's better than that. So why is he doing that? And it's almost that thing that we kind of, as we, as we've alluded to early on, we've forgotten how good we are and the players have forgotten how good they are. The confidence has gone. Um, I think even the, the, the second goal they got, um, I think Gomez it was that headed the ball out. And he basically put a perfect cushioned header, you know, for them to score from. And it's, you know, it, it's, I mean, the, surely these are basics. You know, if you're in that situation and you're not going to be able to get a good clearing header and get it out for another corner, regroup, you know, and these are the, I don't know, these just seem to be basics. And if we're struggling with the basics in the first 10 minutes, we're not going to win games. And that was a mountain to climb. And, you know, we've climbed mountains before, but we've no ropes or, or, our proper shoes you know we're trying to climb up the mountain now in flip-flops or something it's it's hopeless and that really that that sloppy 10 minutes cost us the game because you know the third goal was basically when we were trying to get you know we were trying to get back into the game you can almost almost ignore that third goal those two goals cost us the game because at that point, that was a mountain to climb. And at a time when we've got confidence problems in front of goal and all the rest of it, the last mm. thing we need is to concede two sloppy goals. And I do, and I do think that, I think that, you know, apart from the sort of slip up from Trent that kind of gave away the throw in, even that shouldn't have been enough to, to lose us a goal. Um, it was two sloppy moments, but we can't afford them. And they feel like simple moments that, that should be basic fundamentals for any, any footballer should know what they should and shouldn't be doing. They weren't. I don't know. I don't know. It, it it just seems like the mentality's gone. The mentality that we have, these mentality monsters, it, it's this strange mentality now. Yeah. No, you, if, if you think about the leaders who are usually there at the back, I mean, I think it's fair to say, I'm not sure anybody on this pod would disagree that uh, Alisson uh, probably has a pass for the next 10 games, to be honest, given sort of the, the heroics we've seen from him yeah. this season, uh, has, has done plenty to keep us in games that we probably didn't have a right to uh, be... Uh, well, still in those games um, today, nothing you could do for any of the goals, to be honest. And John, just bringing you in on those goals as well, because they obviously came in a pair at the start of the game. Jim's talking there about, you know, we've, we've seen systemic issues you know, really affect this Liverpool team this season. We've talked about the midfield already plenty so far in this pod and on, on, on countless pods. Everybody can see that was that was an area of weakness in the team. And you know, so we're trying to rebuild with this with this three that we have at the moment. Uh, and I did find myself uh, early on in the game, I think what Jim was saying there, I didn't think it was necessarily the worst start to the game. If, if you just come, you take those goals out of it and then how Liverpool played afterwards, 
you're looking at what the midfield were doing and going, okay, you're doing your job there. I can see what you're doing <laughs> in terms of, sort of how you're trying to approach it. You're doing what you've been told. They're being let down by their by their colleagues, should we say, their friends in the, in both boxes, uh, both the attack sort of feeling the pressure of uh, how important the goals would be, how important the chances were, and the defence just looking fairly rattled each time Wolves did counter. I mean, what John, what did you make of those those two goals? And uh, yeah, any of your thoughts on the nature of them? I think for the first goal, I thought Matip was unlucky. I actually think on the looking at the game as a whole, I thought Gomez had a far worse performance than Matip actually. Right. And there, you know, there was. I don't think there's much. I, I appreciate what you said that Matip slows down, and perhaps you know he doesn't. Fall, you know, he doesn't keep keep with the player. He's slightly out of position for where he usually plays. But it was mm. an incredibly unlucky deflection. You know. Nine times out of ten, or seven times out of ten, that could you know that could go the other way. I think it was very unlucky. Uh, the second goal was just what is it? This is the second, third time that Gomez and and, and Matip have played together. Mm. Uh, <laughs> amazingly, given the amount of time that they've been at the club, I just felt that the defence, you know, that there was a lack of clear-headedness in the goal it's almost like we've got to get the ball away for the second one we've got to get the ball away if Ali who's clearly been the only player in the side to repeat the quality of last season hitherto um you know if, if Allison doesn't make the save if Allison doesn't sort of come out and take control we seem to lose our heads completely um and you know to go back to this this whole sort of systemic thing I was looking at an article by um, Dominic Fifield from it's around, I think it's December 20, 20 you know 2002 when Julio's side you know the 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 triple you know the the great Julio side that win things then fall off you know they fall, fall off the their perch as it were it comes at Christmas they lose I think it's against Middlesbrough and and one of the things that that Dominic Fifield starts to talk about is how has Julio lost it. Why have Liverpool only taken uh, one point from six league games, a sequence that's eroded a seven point advantage at the top? And what he does, he goes through and he says, well, Julien makes the, the, the mistake systemically to play Owen as the lone striker. What have we got? We've got Klopp leaving Salah uh, blunted. Again and again and again, he seems to be on the right side of the pitch, running down the. He, 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 he doesn't seem to be using Salah in the best way possible. Uh, the you know the 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 Fifield talks about how um, Holier is forced to play, put players out of position to play them around. There's injuries, of course, but then there is a loss of form from players that we would expect. There are so many parallels between what who, what happens to Julia at this time and what's happening with Klopp's Liverpool that there is this partly with injuries, partly there becomes a sense of panic, partly there becomes um, players being played out of position, uh, error-prone decisions by the manager. There are parallels here. And so when we talk about the side individuals not performing, that you know, Matip being in the wrong position, that Gomez being sloppy... I'm not sure how much of this is the players. I still still feel that those that looked lost against Brighton when we suffered our first nadir of the season, you know, because clearly they didn't look like they knew what they were doing under uh, mm. you know, given what they've been quoted. I feel that again, Klopp hasn't 
that these goals don't come about because of sloppiness. They don't come about because of um, players not having enough. It's almost like we've got so much tinkering that Klopp doesn't really understand. I don't want to gauge this because I'm, I don't want to say, you know, of course, Klopp knows so much about, you know, he's great. He is, absolutely. But there is something not right systemically within the side with how we are coping with when a ball comes into the box. This is a side that let in so few goals. Matip has won the Champions League. Gomez is a player that's got to a Champions League final. These are players that have, you know, a fundamental understanding of the game who've achieved so much yet look like headless chickens against a side in the relegation zone. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Come on. Yeah. And I mean, just as those uh, quotes from Klopp have emerged into the sort of the, the, the post-match press conferences that he's done, I mean, I think one of them sort of does highlight what you're talking about there. He's saying, we caused problems for ourselves. I got asked if it was down to the 63 games last season. Sure, yes, that had an influence, but it's February and we had a full week to prepare. You know, so there's this perception that he's, you know, he's had, yeah, in the past he talked about, you know, things coming a bit too thick and fast, the fixed schedule being a bit intense. You know, these players have had plenty of time to prepare for this game, uh, you know, more rest than they usually get. And it's going to be, remain that way over the coming weeks uh, for a while now. Uh, and they, they they still to, to start a game like that it must have been very disappointing. I'm just going to go through some 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 more moments here because uh, uh, we don't have to cover this game in 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 heavy detail. I think the 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 the, uh, the pattern is obvious, but just to go through a few things here. So uh, after those two goals were conceded, uh, Liverpool did look to try and sort of fight back on 14 minutes. There was a a good nice ball from Thiago uh, into Nunez, uh, who looks to cut in on his right foot and try and curl it into the top corner, but uh, it's not quite in the corner enough, and it's a simple save in the end uh, from Saar, one for the cameras. Nunez looking to sort of slide a through ball through to Gakpo, uh, who, who ran beyond the Wolves' defence, but Dawson was there just to cut out his uh, his cross. And I thought Gakpo did look more comfortable today in that sort of position that he's played for the majority of his his career. But again, it's who'd have thought it? Difficult circumstances, right? Who would have thought it that a left winger looks comfortable um, <laughs> on the left wing on, on 24 minutes? Matip. Uh, is pretty much being allowed to waltz into the Wolves' half, as we've seen on, on plenty of occasions, to good effect. Matip's adventures is looking for options and it ended up sliding the ball through to Keita, who, who spun on it uh, and uh, struck his effort, but it went wide. There are a few of those t- today where Keita tried to force it and it, d- it didn't end up coming to fruition. On 27 minutes, uh, another save. Wolves probably should have had a third. The ball dropped to Matip outside of the box. 
uh, seemed to fail to spot Nunez, uh, Matthias Nunez, that is, who was rushing in behind him, uh, took it straight off him. Uh, and luckily for us, he, he shot straight at Ali. Um, at this point, the game is becoming a little bit end-to-end as we're, we're trying to throw throw ourselves into it, assert ourselves a bit more. On 30 minutes, Dawson could have scored a second goal uh, on his Wolves debut. Um, there was a cross from Neves on the right wing. Uh, and he's pretty much unmarked in the box, but he headed it over the goal, thankfully. Um, on 33 minutes, um, there was a, a small effort from Nunez um, from the left-hand side of the box, but again, just dragged that effort. Um, Trent put a ball down the right uh, to Nunez. Uh, quite a nice one, held up lovely, I thought. And uh, he fired across the box, but nobody was there to uh, receive it. No one looking to poach. Uh, on 39 minutes, uh, Juan had gone, went down. Uh, and was receiving treatment, looked like his hamstring had gone from uh, the way in which he, he tried to track uh, Gakpo and immediately pulled up. Um, on 43 minutes, Neves and Lamina, um, who were referred to as midfield generals by the commentator uh, that I was listening to today, <laughs> were both down on the floor. Didn't take much to, to be considered generals today. Uh, Neves got, got up pretty quickly after that as well. And then just to close out the, game, um, the, the first half anyway, Bacetic, uh, looked to play a ball into Salah down the wing, uh, who in in return tried to cut it back for Trent, uh, cu- who curled across into the box. I would say it was one of those Hendo looped crosses, unfortunately, but uh, delivered by Trent and, and Gakpo couldn't quite get to it, and that was that was half time. So we'll, we'll walk through the second half pretty quickly, guys. But uh, Jim, just coming to you, in terms of how he responded following the concession of those first two goals, once we got ourselves settled a little bit, there were chances there, as we've come to expect, you know, when Nunez plays, he gets chances, but just that ruthlessness wasn't there again. No, that's it. And it was encouraging. And I think, as I said earlier on, if we hadn't conceded the first two goals, we'd have probably been thinking at halftime, okay, you know, we've got something to build on here. We weren't good enough, but we've got something to build on. But the truth is we were two down. And um, the midfield, I mean, I, I thought Cater had quite a good game there were, there were quite a few good moments from Cater I thought um, I don't remember Thiago doing much other than I think he was responsible no. for both the midfield generals being on the floor at the same time <laughs> he was he was <laughs> you know there was stuff like that but I mean by half time we'd had one shot on target you know we'd had you know I think Trent had had a, sh- had a chance and he just went over and um, mm. you know Nunez was there was at one point where Nunez got into the box and he he, he was going to put a cross in but it went out he scuffed it and that to me is almost like, you know, this is something to build on. This is something to build on. If you're not two goals down as well, it's definitely something to build on. And it felt as frustrating as it was. It was all down to those two moments right at the beginning of the half. Um, I remember one moment I sort of noticed as well, though, there was a point where Trent was really fighting to keep possession and he, he sort of, he twice he sort of won the ball and got the ball back and really, you know, really working hard to keep the ball, got the ball over to, from his side to the sort of centre of the pitch. Next thing you know, we've lost the ball and they're on the attack and there was just this sort of shot of Trent, the frustration, you could see the actions, he was just so frustrated that he's fighting to win the ball back and then there's someone someone in the, in the team just basically, you know, happily giving it away and that that to me again is you know these little signs that that on the one hand there's such determination from some of the players some of the time then at others they're just not they're not gelling are they you know the that's the kind of thing where you know a year ago when everything's going well you you see one of your teammates lose the ball you don't you don't give them a load of abuse for it you kind of you know you clap them when it goes well and things like that and it's just this these little changes and 
this is what this is what Klopp is up against now that the the players are almost I don't know are they going to start turning on each other as the frustration builds it's I don't think we're quite at the stage where we're at where say a Jamie Carragher was shouting at one of his one of his teammates once towards the end of the season um he's just doing know. it on Twitter now is he right <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> you know we're not quite at that stage yet but I think you know this this frustrations this this frustrations creeping in and we're frustrated yeah. and so are the players but you know um maybe take more responsibility for what you're doing as well and that's that's all you can do but yeah it, it was definitely definitely signs of promise at that point but the truth is we ended the half one shot on target and that <laughs> you know that that was the main issue you can play all the great approach play in the world but if you're not giving the goalkeeper a job to do you're not gonna you're not gonna score are you can, no. can, can I just can I just ask though? I mean, it, Gapko is the top scorer for the Netherlands in the World Cup, isn't he? He was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How how, how is you know Mo Salah, Gapko, who was just a month ago or what six weeks ago the top scorer for the Netherlands at the World Cup? How are these players not being able to? You know, what is it? Why are they misfiring? Where is that coming from? Because these are you know these are players that have been in form recently. Is it, is it, you know, because there is so much talk about confidence that, you know, there's been so much criticism of Gapko. Is he going to get his first goal, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I don't want to put it back on, on Klopp again, but look at why is it that we have so much, so much possession in that second half, half but we don't really create mm. any real chances we've got Thiago there who's been brought into the side uh, as as the player to unlock a difficult defense and you know let's face it Wolves are soaking up the pressure looking us to hit looking to hit us on the counter-attack which they do with their first real counter-attack of the second half to kill the game completely you know I think I think that's where my frustration here is. It's not our sloppiness. It's not just the fact that we have, you know, that that Trent seems to, I mean, not down tools, but he's clearly, you know, there's 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 this frustration that Matip himself looks frustrated. You know, he can't believe what's going wrong. The side don't yeah. seem to be able to gel, and this has surely got to come from the coaching. Yeah, exactly. And this is what, you know, why, why, why I made the point earlier on about substitutions. This is a manager that previously would, you know, <laughs> heave off Naby Keita at half time because he was underperforming to, that could make changes, a manager that wanted five substitutions. But now, and, and, you know, it's not just a quality issue because we have got, you know, uh, uh, Elliot, who's been you know, the last player to score our last two goals on the bench, you know he doesn't bring him in until quite late. I, I I think that's where my my frustration here is. Mm. It's it's not about possession. It's not about. It's the fact that I'm not looking for the players to be able to change this. We have got players who have recently been delivering. What is it that, yeah. that in the setup that is not creating really good chances? You know what? Yeah. We, don't, we don't even get those um, YouTube videos on the club social media now with the great goal scored in training because they're probably not even doing it there, are they? I mean, maybe that's the thing. They're not practising taking shots and things like a ranting training. old man. <laughs> yeah, just get Adrian out in training. Just, 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 just have Nunez and Gakpo uh, relentlessly uh, drilled on on scoring against them. And I think it's an interesting point you made there, John, about... You know, I mean, a lot of these questions do point to coaching. They do point to preparation. What is the preparation? Why? 
why are they look um, looking unorganized or not sure as to sort of what they should be doing uh, tactics changing on a frequent basis what you know, why are they starting slow and one point i do just want to bring in here because again it's i'm just seeing it as it emerges really but uh, particularly feisty moment to be honest in the uh, in the press conference after the game um, where James Pierce, uh, who, of course, we know well, uh, just asked what really did look like it was a pretty innocuous question, to be honest, said, that, you know, this has become a pattern, starting games slowly uh, and you know, taking a while to actually get into the games. And uh, is that a concern? Because obviously it's been going on for quite a while now. And, and you know, as you mentioned, there was a full week of, of training in advance of this game. And Klopp, it looks like someone's, you know, Someone shot him uh, at at that point and says that uh, I don't really want to speak to you if I'm honest. Um, uh, you know why? Uh, because of the things that you've been writing. If somebody else asks me that question, maybe I'll answer it. And it's just okay, a fierce like response. Yeah, uh, that sounds like that sounds like the paranoia that that you know mm. that's really very worrying. I mean, this is you know I was checking. We have conceded the first goal in 16 matches. You know, yeah, the, that's, that's a fair question, isn't it? From yeah, absolutely. That's very worrying. Yeah, I, I just—I mean, I don't don't make it all doom and gloom. I will quickly go through the second half, but I, I just—I just saw it as it came across. And of course, we know it's quite. Yes, he can be prickly at times, but it's quite uncharacteristic of Klopp to, uh, like two barrels uh, to to James Pierce. As much as I'm sure some sections of Twitter uh, would love. <laughs> was there something? That, was that. there something specific that that James Pierce has written? Um, I don't. No. I'm, I'm trying not, to think about what what he wrote. I mean, the the only article I saw this week that I thought was, I mean, I have to I have to say this, this is the first time I think I've seen uh, James Pierce be consistently critical of of dysfunction at the club and lack of spending and things like that, because uh, it's unavoidable, right? I've, I've seen some things come out from him on The Athletic this week around that. But for me, the biggest article of note of the past week was uh, the one by Mel Reddy, which was wanting to be pointing at the yeah, people, who, people who've disappeared in the back room and things like that. Uh, I'm not sure if she was in the room, but James... Yeah, James uh, took one knee height, I think, just there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. Just quickly going through the second half then, uh, uh, the Reds uh, start things off on 50 minutes, to just jump into that. Uh, you are questioning how it's not gone in. There's a bit of a pinball in the box. On the left, Gakpo drags the ball back into the box. Uh, impressively, I'd say, uh, in his comfortable position as a left wing, looks like he was a bit threatening in that uh, in that position. Cater's rushing in, but his efforts all sort of flicks off his foot uh, Robertson has an attempt blocked as well um, by Kilman just before it reaches the goal. There's another effort, and again, it looks like it's cleared off just before the line. Um, Rob, Robert's second effort was blocked as well, and it's, you just you're thinking that's the sort of thing, the sort of situation where you just hope a deflection will nestle in the corner of the net and give you something to work on. Um, 54 minutes, Trent threads a through ball to Cater inside the box, who poked it to Nunez. Uh, Nunez tried to give it back to the midfielder. Um, but of course, yeah, I think Cater was marked out at that stage. Another one of those situations you were looking at and thinking, uh, if Nunez is full of confidence, surely he just laces that himself. At 56 minutes, Wolves pretty content, to be honest, to do what John was saying, sit in their low block, pack men in their own box, block every shot, then cross that was coming in, meet and drink to their centre-backs, and looking to uh, hurt us on the counter. I think they, they, they brought on... Uh, Adama Traore for the second half and of course he, we all know what he can do uh, on on the counter um, even if his final ball can be a little bit questionable uh, 58 minutes Trent had a corner from the right and cleared by Cunha uh, again today felt like another one of those games where 
uh, as we all experience as football fans, uh, thinking that our set pieces are the worst set pieces of everybody. Uh, none seem to be threatening despite the the numerous uh, chances we had. On 60 minutes, because again, not much had happened up until this point, uh, Jimenez comes on for Cunha. Yamutinio uh, comes on for Sarabia, who was impressive. Um, and on 62 minutes, Dawson played the ball straight into the path of Gakpo. Uh, again, you're thinking, okay, here's, here's the bit of luck that we need. Um, he goes to pull on his shirt but pulls out knowing that he's, he's already on a yellow card Gakpo passed it out to Salah and you know, we've seen so many times from that position him curling it into the far post but it goes just beyond the post this time um, then on 64 minutes uh, Hendo comes on for Naby Keita that's the change we've already alluded to uh, seemed an odd one but again with the injury records of Keita and Thiago perhaps it does make sense to try and keep them fit and fresh uh, and then on 67 minutes, I'll come to you now after this. A huge save from Saar. Um, out of nowhere, to be honest, Trent spots a run from Nunez, launches a lovely ball over the top of the Wolves' defence, straight into his path, just allows him to you know, hit it as hard as he would, uh, hard as he would like in his in his stride, one v one. But unfortunately, it's it's a common theme as we've seen this season, and it's straight at the keeper. Uh, Jim, in terms of how we'd started that second half, how we'd looked to respond. Uh, for me, it, it, it felt as though Wolves were pretty settled, to be honest. Um, but a uh, couple couple efforts in there that on a different day, uh, you know, if Mo, Mo, Mo scores, if Nunez scores, again, we're talking about a different game. Yeah, yeah. And I think the attitude was different in the second half. That was when, it was. you know, I think, I've said before, when you've got maybe not the best players in the world, but they're playing the best that they can and they're determined to try and get something out of a game, you've got, you've actually got a chance of getting somewhere. Even, you know, this is why there's all that so-called magic of the FA Cup. Not that we want to think about the FA Cup much this season. It's, 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 it's how you win games and the attitude had changed. So even if, even if we're getting to a point where things aren't quite coming off because we're still not quite firing the way we should you know we're still not as confident in front of goal as we should be at least we were trying now at least we were trying to trying to get somewhere with it and that was you know that was a breath of fresh air it's the frustration comes from the fact that you know why did it take a halftime rollicking and you know I don't know a bit of time on a whiteboard whatever from from the assistance for the players to sort of do the right things and show this this commitment to know what they need to do I mean maybe you know maybe at halftime, they were given some far less complicated instructions on what to do that they could all understand. Um, basically being try and get that round thing into that rectangular thing at the other end of the pitch. It was, it was so, it was so much improved. I actually remarked, written, I wrote down around about 63 minutes that we finally quietened the Wolves fans. I mean, they were so loud and noisy, at least on the TV coverage throughout the game, really behind the side, which can, can unnerve Liverpool sides of late, I've noticed. By, by about the 63rd minute, they were quiet. We, we'd shut them up, and that's how good we were. That's how much of a threat we'd become. They were starting to get frightened by us, maybe. Um, they were probably more frightened of us scoring than I was confident of us scoring, um, because I've seen what we've been like. But this, this was, this, these were good signs. And, and to be honest, that's why, in many ways, I kind of forgive that, that third goal, because, that's bound to happen. You're fighting to get back into the game. You're taking a chance. You're taking a risk. And there's, there's always a possibility that's going to happen. And, you know, it was unfortunate that he did. Sadly, that was it then for us. Um, as I'm sure we'll say, but that, that, that opening bit of that second mm -hmm. half was, was the best we played in that half and probably, you know, yeah. better than we've played for a couple of games. And 
that's the kind of thing you can take some encouragement from. You've got to sort out those other problems. You've got to fix the issues that made us concede two goals. You, you know, I don't know how it feels like it's all very obvious, but it can't be that obvious because we keep we keep getting it. But this in the second half, we should be playing like that from the off, you know. And that is the bit we've got to get through somehow. And John, just before I come to that third goal, we could talk about that. Let, let, let's let's try and find some positives from the game as well, because I, I I thought it was an interesting one. Because if if we purely isolate it to the specifics of this game, uh, as 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 Jim has done there a little bit, I think you can look at it and go, well, we know Gomez has never particularly been very strong from set pieces or in the air. It's 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 a weakness of his game, and uh, unsurprisingly, since uh, Kanate and Van Dijk aren't there. Um, the defense has looked, you know, it's, it's looked shaky. It's looked, it's, it's looked, looked frail in those scenarios. Um, you'd expect better organization, better levels of commitment, things like that. But to be suddenly vulnerable in those scenarios, I guess it's not a massive surprise to me. The midfield did look like a compact unit that was working for each other. I thought Bacetic was um, really encouraging, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's a difficult scenario that he's come into uh, at the start of his Liverpool career. Hopefully it's a long one. Uh, but I thought he, he really took to the challenge, uh, a couple of really lovely touches, body feints, making space for himself when he needed it. Always looked very calm. I, I did not think he looked like he was run ragged at all. Uh, there was even one moment, uh, I think it was in the second half, where uh, it was a loose ball and it looked like Troy might get it and you know do his 200-meter sprint up the pitch. And uh, Bacetic went flying into a challenge. Um, and I was, I was just delighted to see that, to be honest, that level of commitment from him. I thought he was a positive. And again, maybe Gakpo is another one that we could we could isolate and say, well, lo and behold, in his natural position, looked like more of a uh, of a threat for us. But I mean, just before we do get to that third goal and we'll, and we'll wrap up the actual the game itself, yeah, if, if we were to if I was to ask you to try and find some of those positives, uh, would they be on along the similar similar lines? Yeah, absolutely. I think both of them have. <sighs> Within the context of the game, I think they both have pretty, you know, they're good performances, uh, particularly by Jezic. I think he's, you know, he's fantastic. An 18 year old. I mean, for me, he's been the high point of the season in just a few performances. I mean, that he makes a couple of, I think he makes a sliding tackle at one point. And I was just like, he's got, he seems to have such a cool head because it's a very easy position to pick up cards. Um, even when he got a yellow the other week, you know, I thought he managed himself really, really well. No, I mean, he's picking up. He, this is an enormous chance for him, of course, to come into the side at this point. And he's clearly grabbing it. And, you know, I was I was thinking of the old the old Alan Hansen quote that, you know, you don't win anything with kids. Well, if you give kids the opportunity to really start their careers at an early age and play at the top levels, they do go far. I mean, the, you know, Owen re- hits real heights very early, that, that Rooney hits real heights, that some players, Trent, we've seen as well. And I really feel that out of nowhere, here is a player who is showing maturity, he's showing fight, he seems to, he, he, he is, you know, he's playing out of his skin. He's really, really fantastic. And I think for, for Gapco, I think there's been quite a lot of criticism for him because he's not scored yet. You know, he's obviously played in different positions. He's been moved around from the left to the centre. Um, I was actually quite surprised to see today for the first time uh, how much pace he does have. 
um, you know, following following some of the discussions that I've seen, there's been you know discussions about you know how he's actually quite slow. He's not fast enough. He's not a presence. He does have that physicality. He did keep his head up. I I felt that he was one of the players that was still looking to make things happen, even even deep into the second half. So no, I mean I have nothing but positives to say about both of them. You know, th- these are both players that are going to be very important for us going forward. Yeah, no, of course, we're trying to find the green shoots there. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm going to immediately dampen that by saying on 71 minutes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Neves, Neves scored the third uh, to, to really put the nail in the coffin. Unfortunately, uh, as, as both of you have alluded to, the game plan was became very clear uh, after 2-0, sitting in their defensive shape, uh, heading C-ball, head-ball, clear-ball um, on everything we were trying to do. Uh, and just try and find that opportunity. Uh, Moutinho wins the ball in midfield. A glorious play, even if he's at the end of his career, um, and just launches it down the middle of the pitch for uh, the sprinter to to run onto. Uh, he obviously gets there before Robbo cuts it back to Neves, uh, who's making a late run. One thing I would remark on there is nobody tracks him. Uh, a straight line midfield run through the centre of the park, which we hadn't seen uh, at any point during the, the the earlier moments of the game, yes, we're throwing everything at trying to sort of win the game. Uh, but I thought the, the the type of goal was particularly uh, notable as well. And uh, yeah, Neves is there to uh, finish off the move. Um, not a quick player by any stretch of the imagination as well, but there to finish off the move. Uh, and uh, Troy gets an assist and, and the narrative will continue. Um, Jim, you, you spoke a little bit about the goal, but I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. In terms of, uh, yes, we're throwing everything at it, but the the fact that we did see Neves, who was not a quick player, basically running a straight line through our midfield, it was a little bit galling at that point. Yeah, and I think you know what what midfield was it that he was running straight through? And um, <laughs> you know, at I, that point, I, yeah, I, was, I, I hate I being the the Henderson. You know, jump too much on the everything's Hendo's fault bandwagon, which isn't getting as much uh, attention as it used to no. because everyone's sort of blaming Klopp and FSG and all these other people are trying to scapegoat. But you know. I mean, that thing about the Wolves fans being silent was just before Henderson came on. Um, maybe they got some hope then. But yeah, it, it's, it, again, it, it's, I think if you're going to be back at 
back at the training ground this week with the players locked in till late, you know, having the car keys taken off them until they understand where they went wrong. You're going to spend <laughs> more time doing the first two goals than you are the third one. But yeah, you do still need to give it time because, you know, as joking apart, these goals are what other clubs, managers and coaches and analysts are going to be looking at and seeing how, how did they you know, how did Liverpool get done this time? Um, I mean, they've got quite a lot of footage to go through now, these are analysts from other clubs of how Liverpool have got done. But yeah, it, it, it is it is still a frustration because as much as we're doing what we're doing, that still should have been... You know, we didn't even try and stop the goal. I think that's 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 the issue. And maybe, again, that's something that kind of feeds off what, what state we're in at the moment, that, like, you know, there's almost this sort of air of inev- inevitability about it. And the players are thinking, oh... Oh well, we tried. You know, we're gonna. We might as well. We we tried. You know, and and I mean, I do think that happened after the goal. That we, we gave yeah. up. You know, we didn't really look like trying to. Um, I mean, we're not going to win the game at that point. We're not going to get a point at that point. But you know, I mean, we all remember the three nil halftime in Istanbul, and I think you know Rafa's message at that time was just go and get one back. You don't know, don't go back home having lost three nil or worse. Just try and get one back, and off. Mm. You know. I don't think we tried to get one back. Yeah, I was, I was, I was hoping for that. Just some sort of existential, you know, like lash into the <laughs> into the top corner. Yeah, or, it'd have been harder uh, for the headlines that I've seen: Wolves thrashed Liverpool and Wolves hammered Liverpool. You know, yeah. two one, you can't get away with that quite the same. Honestly, I think like part of me would have been okay with Darwin scoring one and doing a knee slide. I, I genuinely there would have been something to admire <laughs> when does, when about does, such when a does chaotic. Come close. Salah was that before the the third goal that Salah had, it was he before the third yeah 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 I'd love him to score it would be great was I mean, that the one yeah but Salah was Salah's go uh, close one was it Gakpo that had uh, yes it was with an interception and just basically put him through so that again is a little promising moment in itself Dawson sort of basically just handed it to Gakpo but then Gakpo surges past uh, one player and passes it to him and yeah just mo mo curls it just wide I've actually convinced myself as well that, that at this stage um that. It's probably nonsense, but I've convinced myself that Mo is not going to shave until he scores because uh, <laughs> the beard is getting thicker and thicker with with every uh, every passing <laughs> week. I feel like he's he's going through something, uh, and uh, yeah, he's not going to shave that. Uh, just just to wrap the game up. Then I think, as you both said, it was not much to talk about after this. So on 82 minutes, there was a cross from Gakpo, but it goes straight into the hands of Saar. He then boots it uh, down the pitch to. Uh, to Lamina, um, but actually Lamina's already on the deck, can't continue. Uh, Podence comes on, Johnny comes on for Nuri on 84 minutes. Elliot's already on at this point as well, having come on for uh, sort of a slightly tired-looking Bacetich at this point. Again, you can maybe make some questions that we're trying to throw everything at it at this stage, but the team is becoming a much more ragged in terms of what they actually are. It's become a bit more of a rabble. Gakpo goes off on 85th minutes, 95 minutes uh, for uh, Chamberlain. Uh, Tiago goes off in 85 minutes as well for James Milner. Uh, Robbo goes off on 86 minutes for Simicas. It's getting a bit chaotic here. Uh, you're just throwing all the all the uh, cards you have at this. Um, 87 uh, minutes. I feel like I should mention it. Uh, cross from Trent uh, Alexander Arnold, uh, a header away from Dawson. Something we saw throughout the entire game. And then on 88 minutes, just to sort of bookend it before the final whistle. Uh, it, very much should have been four. Traore has a brilliant uh, sort of counter-attack, um, you know, sprints past our players. You, you can question their effort at this stage. Uh, lays it off, does play the correct ball to Jimenez. Uh, he's unmarked 
on the left channel as well, 1v1 with Allison, but gets his chip all wrong and Ali just catches it. But that saved our blushes a little bit there because it didn't look like it could easily have been four at that point. So there were three minutes of added time, but uh, absolutely nothing uh, <laughs> happened in those. And we, we finally arrive at the final whistle. Um, I, guys, just to get, get your concluding thoughts, I suppose. We've talked about the game a lot, and if there's any points that you want to pull out uh, and players you think deserve uh, specific mentions, feel free to do that. But I, I suppose the question I'm actually going to ask you here is, uh, where do we go from here? So, Jim, I feel, I feel like we've unfortunately had to ask ourselves this question quite a few <laughs> times. Uh, as John was saying, there's been the Nadir quite a few times. Uh, where, where do we think we go from here? I Everton think, next. Well, yeah, between now and Everton, we've got to kind of find our identity again. We've got to remember who we are and how good we can be and um, accept as well, I think, as a club that at the moment we've not got a full squad. We've not got a full strength squad, even even if um, if all our players that we had were fit and firing, we would obviously be much better than we have been recently. But even so, we haven't got them. We're not going to get them. A lot of them are still going to be missing for a while. We've got to do the best we can with what we've got. And, you know, it's sort of a separate issue almost that what we could have done to remedy that situation, that's been and gone. That door is now closed for, until the summer. So this is what we're with. We've got to accept this and we've got to work with it. And, Build on those positive moments, you know, fight against those negative moments. You know, it's, uh, it's, there's, there's, attitude is just the thing. I think we've just got to get right. I mean, that attitude was right in the second half. So, you know, there's a lot of soul searching got to go on and we've got sort of nine days to do it. I think, I think we play Everton on the Monday. So, you know, we've got as long a time as you get in football these days to think about this and to work on this and to look through it and, um, Get back to basics as well, you know. I mean, as mad as it sounds, you know, let's spend a day of training where basically the defenders defend, the attackers attack, and the midfield do midfield things. You know, let's you know, let's simplify things a little bit. Let's mm. let's look at our strengths and work with our strengths as well. You know, we're not we're not a team that's got the best players in the world now from front to back. We've got a few good players in there though. You know, build on that. At the very least, it. we know we know what we're getting with Dyche. Surely, surely, yes. at this stage, that we, we the, the blueprint is there for Klopp to dust off and uh, bring out for for those nine days. John, same question to you at, the, at this stage. Uh, another Nadir, hopefully, because <laughs> obviously a Nadir means that you are moving on from from, yeah. from that point. <laughs> no, I was um, going to say. I mean, just to, to add add on to what Jim was saying, they I hope that they're working on the set pieces again because you know we were scoring so many goals from set pieces before, and you know, but that seems to have fallen off a cliff. Um, I, I mean, I what I've been thinking about, and I'm also posing this to you guys, really is, you know. <laughs> Two things. We're playing Everton, nine days' time. Uh, how long ago is it since Klopp put out the kids against Everton's first team and, you know, showed so much disrespect and wiped them off the park? You know, numerous times we've seen Klopp surprise us all with with team sheets that, you know, what is Klopp doing? Everton, we've d- dismissed them completely. But now we are... With my mathematics, we're 21 points off the top of the table, uh, but and we sit in 10th. Everton, with their victory today, are in 18th. Effectively, if Everton, <laughs> and I'm not even going to go there, but if Everton did beat us, they could effectively be up at around about 14th, and we could be sitting in 11th. 
and we have been you know laughing our heads off at the the crisis going on at, at Everton Football Club uh, so my question is you know is this the most uh, important uh, derby for since I don't know when yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be. It's going to be for Everton fans. I'll tell you that they'll be loving every minute of this at the moment. They, yeah, they're back. Yeah. They might, you know, they might not even have to get the dog out at this stage to lift him through the streets of uh, of Everton. Of, uh, but what does Klopp do? What does Klopp do? How does it? How do you? How do you pick a side up that is so? You know, we've said you know Nadir, 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 but they're going to be low in confidence. There were green shoots. We could see there were elements of the performance today. We we did have the ball. Um, but I think there's something about this one that I've, I've seen with Klopp when we've had um, rougher spells, and even with other managers. To be fair, is the the big games are the ones that we do well in, and it's the little sure. games that let us down. So I think if we can if we can sort of feed into that, because this is a big game, it's the derby. You know, for a lot of us, it's the biggest game of the season. If we can feed into that, then I think you can find an extra bit of passion from plays every time when you do that. Yeah, and I think just a. Uh... On a light-hearted note as well, I mean, talking about sort of, we're not seeing those training ground goals in the videos anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, we could literally get a cardboard cutout of Pickford uh, with with lifelike arms as well, and just just tell <laughs> just tell Nunez, Gagpo, Mo, you know, this is how this is how it's going to be. Shoot on sight. Any options you've got, go for it. This guy, you know, is. is <laughs> I'm trying to clutch clutch some straws here because I think you need Perfect. to build that confidence somehow. And who better to uh, lift our confidence from the floor than uh, Jordan uh, Pickford himself? So he can't uh, pick it up from the floor himself, though, because he can't reach. He can't, he can't <laughs> reach. On that note, I mean, I, I, try, I wanted to end on an optimistic note, so I'm going to end on that. Uh, thank you to to John Buscar. Thank you to Jim Boardman uh, for for joining me uh, in the in the absence of your usual uh, host, Trev Trev Downey. I'm not, uh, thinking of him at the moment and. Uh, Dave Hendrick as well, who, of course, you're used to hearing on this, hopefully uh, is in a cushioned location uh, <laughs> where he's, he's able to just take process his emotions in a in a healthier way after that, <laughs> after that 90 minutes of uh, of football. Um, but just before we do go, um, Jim, was it anything from uh, you coming up that you wanted to, to plug? Well, I'm going to say, first of all, thanks to anyone who listened to this after that, because now that, that was very brave of you and I oh, appreciate yeah. it. But if you want something that kind of just takes you away from the current turmoils, um, Tony Evans and I recorded a podcast for Scouts of Tommies where we look back at the last takeover when, you know, the lead up between Hicks and Gillette coming in and to what the sort of lead up to FSG coming in and all the fun and games that went on behind the scenes and, they were dark days. So as bad as they are at the moment, maybe, you know, maybe we can look back nostalgically at the worst days that we had then. Cause as bad as they are now, they're not as bad mm. as then. But there's also some interesting stuff from Tony about, um, you know, about that, that mystery bid from China and other things. So yeah. it's worth a listen. Absolutely. And John, just, just wanted to, to check with you if there was anything coming out down the pipeline or, or not this time. No, no, no. Just thanks very much for, you know, a cathartic chat, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 pro- I promised both both guests today that I'd, I'd try and make it cathartic. Let's hope it has been. I'm sure there might be some spirits involved as well. Just, just <laughs> from from me, anyway, um, signing off. There's also going to be a rival recon uh, for my sins uh, ahead of the Merseyside derby. Um, I was hoping to talk about just the, the complete, uh, yeah, sort of, uh, Nadir end of the, the Lampard reign at Everton. Unfortunately, now I'm going to be talking about the Phoenix uh, rising from the ashes of uh, 
uh, Sean Dyche back in the Premier League, of course, Everton you know, beating Arsenal uh, today, which uh, I'm th- thankful for, given the number of uh, family members I have in, in, in North London who've been quite loud on the WhatsApp chat over the past uh, few weeks. So that's, uh, that's something. But there will be a rival recon ahead of that Everton game. But between now and then, check out the other great content on Villain Next Pro. But between now and then, uh, stay safe and look after yourself. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.